Welcome back to the Double Coverage Sports Podcast with Johnny and Andrew Cassis. What's up, guys? Just wanted to say a big thank you to everybody who's continuing to follow us on all of our social media pages um, and who listened to episode five and any of the episodes before that. We really appreciate all the support and all the help you guys are giving us, guys. We really appreciate it. So if you guys can keep that up, um, and if you have any friends, relatives, anybody you think would be interested in anything we're talking about, uh, please give us a follow, give us a share. Um, like I said, we really appreciate all of you guys' support. Yeah, just to reiterate, guys, thank you for tuning into episode five. We really appreciate it. We love all the feedback. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to follow us on social media yet, on Twitter at Double Coverage K, that's our Twitter handle. You can find us there. Also on Instagram and Facebook at Double Coverage Sports Podcast. So uh, share, like Johnny said. Uh, if you got any friends that want to listen to this show or you think might be interested, let them know. Uh, we're going to keep making some shows and give you guys content. I'm saying something. Just talk. Okay, I'm talking like normal. I'm sorry. So the delightful voice you just heard was uh, was the stylings of Andrew Cassis oh, during the uh, mic testing for the show. Just in case you guys didn't get a good glimpse of it, here it is one more time Again? just on its own. I'm saying something. Most people you would expect, you know, to just talk normally as if, you know, we were going to be doing you, the podcast. Oh, you know, in my defense, dude, the microphone wasn't even plugged in. That was the microphone off the computer. So, I, I mean, it didn't cause me to sing. Still but picked I was it just, up. Still just, pick, and then it's in it's in the theme of High School Musical? Is that what I heard? I was excited to do the podcast. Some excited silence? to start recording. I don't know what you want me to do, man. I'm saying something. Just give me a minute to kind of just explain my... I'm saying something. There will be no more explanation from you. Anytime that I have a disagreement or we have an argument on the show from now, now, it's just going to... What was that? I'm saying something. Could we just get to our topics, man? I'm really excited to talk about what we have on the docket for today. (laughs) Like, if we just get it going... I'm saying something. Okay, now we're good. So, on Tuesday, Andrew and I were sitting down and we were kind of talking about what, you know, we were thinking the show was going to look like in this week and... All of a sudden on the TV, we see that big banner scroll across TNT while we're watching basketball. Magic Johnson retired uh, or steps down as president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles organization. Just out of nowhere, we had this we had this real cool idea planned. We had two super cool stat of the days for you guys that we're going to have to push back now. So basically what you're telling me, Johnny, is that Magic Johnson not only ruined the Lakers organization, but he also ruined the opening of our show. Yeah. Great. Yeah, let's go ahead and blame that on Magic Johnson because I'm sure he had a whole lot to do with ruining. He did. Open. He did. Really, he changed my uh, whole. He changed the whole outlook of how we're going to start and how we're going to say. What I actually want to, what I want to ask you though, Andrew, is you know me as being one of the people who was very much optimistic about the Lakers coming into this season, and especially with adding LeBron. So um, yeah, I've been a big proponent about LeBron being here, but. I think now even me, the most upsided, glass half full person with this situation, there's no going back from this, right? This is rock bottom. No, you, I, don't, I don't know where you go from here. I really don't. Like, who do you put in charge in the front office? They they want to put Rob Palinka and give him more power, but I don't even think he did enough that like last year and the year before that to solidify his role. And uh, it, it's kind of bleak. I mean, now there's reports coming out that they might want to trade LeBron. Like, who knows what the heck's going to happen? We, absolutely blasphemous. Where does the stability come from? When When is it going to come? Who are we going to get it from? Like, that's what we really need to figure out. And sorry if you're offended, Doug Gottlieb. I know you don't like this, but we are we guys out there, so. Yeah, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> uh, just to get you guys up to speed, if you guys really don't know what's going on with the situation, Tuesday afternoon before the Lakers' last game of the season, Magic Johnson held an impromptu press conference where... He announced he'd be stepping down as president of basketball operations for the L.A. Lakers. 
Uh, he did not make Jeannie Buss the owner or Rob Polinka the GM known about any inkling he had to part ways with the organization, which uh, is why it was such a shock that it happened. It was literally off the cuff. He was not scheduled to give any press conference. It was right after Luke Walton had just gave his regulatory pregame uh, pregame interview. So, And also worth mentioning, he had just had a three-hour meeting with Jeannie the day before discussing the direction of the team and where they think that they could go like moving forward. Yeah, also with LeBron. He also met with LeBron over the last three days prior to him uh, announcing he's going to step down. He met with Jeannie and LeBron's camp. So two of you know the major figures right now in the L.A. Laker organization. And then he goes ahead and steps down. So I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Andrew. What did you think about the situation and just about the Lakers' whole situation in general? Yeah, so when the news broke, I mean, I was most like like most Laker fans, I was shocked to say the least. Um, I took it, I took a look at it from like a standpoint of almost developing an article. I came up with a tagline for it. Um, the way I looked at it was much like a magician's magic, Johnson disappears. I see what you did. Just there. kind, of, <laughs> just kind of out of thin air, you know. Yeah. Um, and at least, at least for me, uh, I feel like Magic and Rob Palenka, they're, you know, Rob Palenka's still there, but Magic's tenure was a waste of two seasons. Um, I think that he kind of got a little bit caught up with the perception of who he was and who he can be to players around the league. During his exit interview, we talked about this before we started the show, um, that he, he mentioned how he wanted to attend Dwayne Wade's last game and how a couple weeks ago he wanted to you know shout out Russell Westbrook on social media for his 2020-20 game. And I don't know, it just to me that kind of seems like his head isn't where it needs to be as president of the Lakers organization. Um, unfortunately, when you assume the role as a president, you, you start to lose some of those abilities and the privileges that come with being who you were before. And you mentioned in your interview that you wanted to be the old magic and the old magic is great, but the magic that is there now in the front office is not the magic the Lakers needed. Um, see, I think that kind of just fits with magic though. You know, before he was with the Lakers, he was living his life as magic and mm -hmm. it's very easy for magic to be magic. So uh, now coming into a situation where he needs to watch what he says and he can't be doing certain types of interactions with certain people. I mean, it's almost as if he's caged and seemed like he was better off just saying forget it i'm going back to just being magic and you know one of one of the big things i guess about the fallout from magic's uh stepping down as president uh that really kind of just bothers me and rubs me the wrong way is um he mentioned ben simmons twice uh it, both in the exit interview uh, in his impromptu conference and then again in another interview with rachel nichols mentioning how he was unable to you know mentor him and kind of show him the ropes and give him a little bit of guidance and the reason why that bothers me is because not only did it happen during the year, it happens as you're leaving the Lakers organization, who happens to have a decent crop of young talent themselves. And in my opinion, he kind of never showed like that same love to the young guys on his own team. You know, Ingram, Kuzma, and, and Lonzo, um, with the exception of him calling Lonzo the new face of the franchise, they, they were never showed that kind of compassion or, or like commitment to actually developing them. So I, I don't know. I think it came out of left field and it's... It's it's real bleak, man. The, the, like the the future for the Lakers looks real bleak right now. I, I don't know where we go from here. Yeah, well, and LeBron, we trust, right, buddy? Yeah, I guess that's all we got going for us now, man. I mean, it's a good thing to have. Good, it's a great thing to have. I mean, it's he's the best player in the world when he's healthy. I Not mean, wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So obviously, Magic is a phenomenal player. He's one of the greatest Lakers of all time. He's a great businessman and personality, and everybody loves him. He's a huge fan favorite all around the league. I don't know very many people that would say bad things about 
magic. And obviously, before he was the president, he was a huge ambassador for the Laker brand. But this move was weak, and there's no way else to put it besides that it was weak. It was weak because he didn't let Jeannie know. He admitted he would have fired Luke without actually firing Luke. He threw shade at Rob Palinka throughout the whole process. And in your interview, you go ahead and you talk about other players, like kind of how Andrew mentioned with Ben Simmons. So starting off in terms of Jeannie, you know, he calls her, her sis- his sister, um, but doesn't even have uh, the wherewithal to face her. A direct quote from him during the press conference was, somebody's going to have to tell my boss because I know she's going to be sick, but I knew I couldn't face her face-to-face to tell her. If you're really that close, how is this not something that you discuss privately, especially as we mentioned, you have a three-hour meeting with her the day before you all of a sudden decide to step down? Yeah, this is a 40-year friendship that they're that they're like on right now, and that's the way you go about it. Yeah, he went on to say the one thing she had in me was somebody she could trust and somebody who was loyal to her. So, wait a minute. So, you couldn't even tell her the truth, so she can't trust you to even tell her the truth. She can't even trust you to do your job. I mean, there were multiple articles. Arash Markazi, you know, was one that I had read uh, telling us that Rob Palinka was making it known that Magic was not in the building. He was not there often. And that's not a secret anymore. Like, that is out there. If not telling Jeannie beforehand isn't low enough, he then went on to basically say he was prepared to fire Luke Walton the day after their last game. So that would have been Wednesday morning. Uh, he directly said, she gave me the power. Yeah, I was pre- prepared to make that decision. when uh, That was what Magic said when he was asked if he was ready to let Luke go. If you really thought that Luke was the problem and that getting rid of him was going to benefit the Lakers, how do you do the Lakers or Genie or anybody that's affiliated with the organization any justice by leaving and not making that move? He then went on to say, I don't want to be the one who has to make a decision tomorrow, and I had made my decision but I said, no, I know the dif- how difficult it would be for my sister to love me and support me and love him. Him referring to Luke Walton. He, Again, kind of just worried about that image thing, I feel like. He then asked the rhetorical question, why am I in the middle of this? You chose to be in the middle of this. <laughs> he offered you a job you, and you took it, man. You like, took the job as the yeah. president of the Los Angeles Lakers. If this is what needed to be done for the Lakers organization to start growing and becoming a contender then you, of all people, Magic, are the one who could make that decision. Honestly, if, if you're the Bus family, if you're Genie Bus, who can you trust if not Magic Johnson? Kobe Bean. Uh, I mean, <laughs> we would all love to see about him in the front office, but, like, seriously, this it's Magic Johnson. He's the second greatest player, probably, in your franchise's history, and like you said, an ambassador for the Lakers organization in his spare time. He doesn't get paid. He never got paid for it up until 2017. He got hired. So... Who do you trust? And then the players that they're going to try and get next year with Rob Palinka there, how do they trust this front office? Yeah, exactly. And that goes into, again, with uh, Magic Johnson and his impromptu press conference, kind of bashing Rob Palinka on his way out directly when he was asked about Rob Palinka, if he's a good fit for the GM position still. um, He directly said he's in the position. Uh, She, being Jeannie, brought us together. She picked him. Then she picked me. Um you could have just said that he's fine and then nobody would have a conversation about this. The fact that you said anything else besides, yeah, he's a good fit, opens up any other cans of worms you can possibly find for people to start asking more questions. In his second interview, I guess you can call it, with Rachel Nichols, she then asked him about the backstabbing he referenced in the 
first impromptu press conference, and he jokingly, smiling, laughed it off, uh, said that there was backstabbing going on around the organization. And finally, the fact that he mentioned other players in this press conference was weak. He goes on and he says, I love helping people. When a guy calls and asks for help, I can't help him in my current role. Well, you have 13 players you can help if you're there on a daily basis. I'm sure Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart can learn a lot from Magic Johnson just being around them, being involved, being a participant in the Laker organization, not just the guy who thinks he can come in, have other people do the groundwork, and be the closer, as he so says, uh, because he's such a businessman. If you were such a businessman and you were such a big closer, Anthony Davis would be on the Lakers right now. Oof. Hot take. Oof. All right, all this Laker talk's getting me depressed. Uh, we're going to do the one-word <laughs> game next. Uh, we're going to do the one-word game next. Andrew, give me the music. Give me the music. Well, what, what am I supposed to do? Press a button or something? Yeah, go ahead. Press a button. Press a button! Okay, I did. I did. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. All right, let's jump right into it, guys. It's the one-word game. Back for the second installment. What we're going to do is we're going to present a topic... It could be a player, it could be a team. We're going to present the topic, give you a little bit of backstory, and then we're going to give our take, one word, and then a couple details on why we picked that word. Kicking it right off, guys, Dwayne Wade capped off his historic career with a triple-double in Brooklyn Wednesday night with all of his buddies from the Banana Boat crew, Chris Paul, LeBron James, and Carmelo Anthony and company to witness it. Amazing career. Johnny, what's your one word for Dwayne Wade? Yeah, it's Flash. Uh, Dwayne is the third best shooting guard of all time behind Kobe and MJ in that order, by the way. Uh, He holds the NBA record for blocks by a guard. He's a three-time NBA champion, even though LeBron was really the main reason for two of them, but we won't talk about that. Uh, He's an amazing player who had an amazing career. Talk about amazing. Did you see that Budweiser commercial? Yeah, that was... If you don't want to shed a tear watching that commercial, then you have no soul. But it was awesome to see the greatest athlete in Miami history... Yes, he's the greatest athlete in Miami history over Dan Marino. Sorry, Dan, you have to win something. Um, so it was an honor to see him play and see what he could do for that city. So, Andrew, your one more for Dwayne Wade is... Well, you kind of trashed Dan Marino there. I'm going to go ahead and trash another guy who actually played in Brooklyn. My one word is truth. That's right, Paul Pierce. Truth. Because it is true that he is greater than Paul Pierce. It is true, like you said, that he's the third greatest shooting guard of all time. And the final two games, 30 points and a triple-double to end his career. Paul Pierce, you could never, dude. You could never. He, stay. Actually, he actually finished his last game. No points, no rebounds, no assists. Stay in your lane, Paul Pierce. All right? Stay in your lane. And again, and I want to reiterate, the Budweiser commercial, what it was kind of in part of was what Wade did for the city and his community. Uh, It'll never be overlooked. What he did for Miami-Dade, which is actually Miami-Wade County, will live on forever as he capped off one of the greatest individual sports sports careers in Miami history. Moving on from one Hall of Famer, obviously first ballot, retiring to a second. Man, it just seems like our childhood is just retiring right in front of our eyes. It's so sad to see. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki also played his last game of his NBA career Wednesday night. Andrew, what's your one word for Dirk Nowitzki? I apologize for anybody who knows German out there. I'm going to do my best, okay? My one word for Dirk Nowitzki is Tolsten, which loosely translates to greatest because he is the greatest European talent to have come through the NBA and to finish a career in the NBA. It would have been fun to see him play alongside Luka and Porzingis next year, who are also two players who came directly from Europe Um, He basically invented the stretch four position and perfected an unguardable fadeaway shot. His last bucket was actually from the top of the key, which is his marquee spot. 
it was a fadeaway, and it was basically a shot that looked like he shouldn't have made it, but I guess that was just the way Dirk's, like, just career went. It oh, yeah. never looked like he was supposed to make the shots, and he did. Yeah, how awkward did Dirk's shot look? When they really went on their run back there, uh, between him and Sean Marion, I think you can make the argument that they, as a pair had some of the weirdest shooting forms in NBA history for a pair of teammates Absolutely. on the same team. Absolutely. Dirk always looks like he's just pushing the ball as hard as he possibly can. It never looks like the left hand is in play at all. And then Sean Marion just kind of front flips it from his waist. I don't know what he's doing. Yeah, <laughs> That was a spectacle to see Sean hit all The good old hip shot. Yeah. What we call it. Something <laughs> that like that. Granny style to another level. Yeah, exactly. Just, last thing I wanted to mention, he also did take down D-Wade, LeBron, and Bosh to win his only title. But, uh, you know, we'll save that for another time. Johnny, what's your one word on uh, Dirk Nowitzki? Uh, my one word is pushy. Dirk is the greatest foreign player ever. Obviously, he uh, he scored 30,000 points. He has one chip, finals MVP. I just feel like he didn't really want to retire. I heard nothing of it throughout the whole season. And I understand Dirk's more of a low-key guy. But even on his last home game, he said it's his last home game. I get he's not saying he's retiring, but at that point, you would assume that one would just come out in front of the whole stadium and say that he's retiring. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I just feel like it was a little pushy. I feel like maybe he would have liked to come back and see what he could have uh, done to help uh, Luca and Kristaps Porzingis grow. And I just think it was a little, <laughs> it was a little pushy. Speaking of pushy, Antonio Brown's social media pages have been pretty busy. A Steelers fan page tweeted out a picture to Antonio Brown of Juju winning the 2018 team MVP last year, and Antonio Brown responded by saying that Juju basically cost the Steelers their season when he fumbled against New Orleans in Week 16 of last year. Uh, Juju responded with some class, kind of just kept his emotions on the side, and the very next day, Antonio Brown responded again with Juju saying nothing, just by tweeting out a DM from when Juju was still a wide receiver at USC asking for help. So... Situation's kind of getting murky here. Johnny, what's your one word on Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, my one word is uh, embarrassing, and this is mainly for the case of Antonio Brown and his actions. Right now, all the Steelers front office is doing is laughing because AB is making himself look like a fool. Each post, the Steelers look better and better uh, while he goes out there and makes himself look silly by going after a young receiver like Juju Smith. All he did was show absolute class, even posted something saying... Uh, don't argue with fools because onlookers won't know the difference. And I know everybody's super excited about what's going on in Cleveland, and I understand why they are. But the Steelers are still uber talented. They still have James Conner, Juju Smith, uh, Jesse James, and Ben Roethlisberger. So I don't agree with Colin Cowherd very much, but I do agree with him that I think the Steelers are going to win this division. I I don't think that they're a team that's going to go into the dumpster. They're well run. They have a great front office, and their coach, uh, Mike Tomlin, although he's a player's coach, does a great job of preparing them every week to go out there and win ball games. Andrew, what's your one word for what's going on with Juju and uh, AB? My one word to sum up this whole situation is salt. And salty because that's how Antonio Brown is right now. To me, it kind of seems like he's the jealous older brother with Juju Smith-Schuster now winning the MVP. Um, I kind of feel like Antonio Brown expected the organization uh, to do everything they could to keep him. Um, going into the next couple years of his contract, we talked about it on a previous show, he wasn't guaranteed any money. So going to Oakland and getting his money was kind of a priority for him. But it just seems like he's taking out some of those frustrations on a former teammate. And, you know, I, I think Juju's going to have a great year next year, but... 
the organization was just at this point fed up with his antics, you know, from the Facebook Live thing to now all this stuff on social media. There's a uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that they finally kind of clean house, especially with getting rid of Le'Veon Bell too. And you mentioned James Conner. Um, James Conner is a great piece, and I think him and Juju are going to be playing a huge role in establishing a new identity for the Steelers franchise. And uh, this might actually bode well for them moving forward. Again, though, it's over. Like he's gone. He's been traded. Mm-hmm. There's no need to speak about the Steelers anymore. He could simply just go on with his life as an Oakland Raider. And do his thing to make Oakland the best team they possibly can be. Enjoy the black hole. But instead, he has to keep coming back and putting the Steelers' name in his mouth. And with that mustache, I don't know if anybody wants to be hearing him speak all that much. That (laughs) bleached mustache of his looks like a caterpillar on his lip. I don't know what he's doing over there. (laughs) Moving on as we show our bias here a little bit. uh, We're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Started the season 8-2 and two in their first 10 games before going on the road and dropping all four, getting swept in a four-game series at St. Louis against the Cardinals. Andrew, what's your one word so far for the Dodgers and their start to the season? I like the hot start. I like what we're doing. Uh, my one word is going to be thrifty because I say thrifty because instead of paying like crazy money to go out and re-sign Manny Machado and going to get Bryce Harper... The Dodgers brought in a guy like A.J. Pollock, who hit a set of career high in home runs last year, who's not a household name, solid off uh, uh, outfield piece, brought back a former player, Russell Martin, to be a backup catcher to now starter Austin Barnes, and Joe Kelly, the guy who kind of burned them last year in the World Series, jumped ship and jumped coast to come over here to play uh, relief for the Dodgers. He's having a little rough start, but I think he'll hit a stride here. Um, I really like that Kike Hernandez is getting a start at second base now. I love him. He's a great 5 tool piece, steals bases, puts his body on the line, diving for ground balls, doing everything he can to try and get an out. And then in the batter's box, he can hit the crud out of the ball. You know, he's got a lot of pop. So I really love that Kike is getting a lot of time now. And Cody Bellinger, can we talk about him for a second? Playing at an absolute MVP level, hitting over 400. Unbelievable. So I'm happy with the start. The four-game drop to St. Louis is kind of disheartening. They're a good team, though. But, Johnny, what's your one word for the Dodgers so far? Yeah, so for me, it's pretty simple. It's pitching. Uh, I was really optimistic with the 8-2 and two hot start that we had, especially the way we were hitting the ball. Um, the last two years, 2017-2018, our first 18 games, we were 8-10. and 10, So been slow slides the last couple of years. Um, but when you have this much injury problems with your starting rotation it's really hard to expect the Dodgers to go out and win games I mean you can't get swept but when you're missing Hill you're missing Ryu who actually got uh, pulled from his uh, start in the first game of the series you're still missing Kirsch who's expected to make his first start Monday against the Reds actually and then this is what we got in the four game series against the the Cardinals in St. Louis Ryu gave us 1.2 innings two hits two runs a walk Ross Stripling, five innings, five hits, four runs. Maeda, five innings, seven hits, five runs. Bueller, four innings, five hits, five runs. That's just, it, it doesn't matter how good you're hitting the ball or how many runs you're going to score. If you can't keep the opposing team under eight, I mean, we scored seven runs uh, Thursday night and still lost. Yeah, the Dodgers get the Brewers for a three-game series in Los Angeles this weekend, so hopefully they can pick it back up and uh, get back on track like they were at the beginning of the season. Oh boy, Johnny, that music can only mean one thing. It's time for the stat of the day. Oh yes, of course. How could I forget the stat of the day music? Today's stat of the day, though, comes to us from ESPN. 
the stat of the day. Chris Davis uh, currently set the MLB record with 53 straight plate appearances without a hit. Oh, boy. You thought you had a bad week. 53. Andrew, 30 of those were strikeouts. 56% of his 53 at-bats have been strikeouts. All right, moving on. We're going to go into a category that Chris Davis would probably never find himself in. Yeah, so, again, that that came from ESPN. Um, I was actually listening to ESPN Radio the other day while I was at work, listening to Will Kane, and he brought up the conversation uh, that I brought to your attention, Andrew. I think it's very interesting. Um, who are the five athletes, just pure athletes, you would choose if aliens dropped on our planet and decided to play us at some athletic competition. We don't know what specifically the competition is. So uh, this was actually in reference towards Space Jam 2. They were talking about LeBron and trying to get people to do Space Jam 2. So hypothetically, if aliens were to come down tomorrow and we have to pick just five athletes to uh, to participate in these athletic feats or else like you know they shoot a laser gun at the planet or something like that who are the top five athletes are that you're picking all right johnny the fate of the universe is in our hands right now so let's get a little serious here okay number one the only one we actually agree on in this list okay is gonna be lebron james obviously anybody else right yeah you know it's lebron he's six foot eight 250 pounds okay he's built like a linebacker runs like a tight end does everything on the basketball court that you could ask for Average NBA players take 13 steps to travel the length of a court, which is 94 feet. Okay, it only takes him nine. This guy is a freakazoid when it comes to athleticism. Okay, he is just as fast as Houston Rockets guard Chris Paul, who is about almost 80 pounds less than him and eight inches shorter. Okay, reaching speeds on the basketball court of 20 miles an hour. Okay, he even has a faster release time than most NFL quarterbacks who average. 0.4 0.4 seconds to release a ball when he makes a pass it only takes him 0.18 seconds 0.18 almost nothing yeah 100 agree with you lebron is just something truly special he runs a 40 in under four six he has a 44 inch vertical and he spends 1.5 million dollars every year just on his body ensuring that his body's in peak physical condition so yeah 100 no-brainer lebron james is the leader of my team and definitely makes my list um, also on my list, I have Odell Beckham Jr., uh, six foot, two hundred pound, ran four four at the combine, thirty eight and a half inch vert. Uh, we have video evidence of him being amazing at other sports: soccer, baseball, basketball. Obviously, he has amazing hands, uh, but his feet are actually what makes him an amazing receiver and an amazing athlete in general. Um, he's really quick, especially off the line of scrimmage. He's able to get to get press off defenders um, and make sure that they're not able to make contact with him downfield by being super elusive um, and having those quick feet to get around DBs. Um, Andrew, who you got next on your list? Yeah, I'm sticking with the NFL here. Um, I'm going for a quarterback. I'm going with Cam Newton. Okay, give you measurables real quick. He's six foot five inches, 250 pounds. He's only 29 years old. The guy, if you've seen him on the football field, is built like a linebacker, and he loves to use his body. Okay, he can run like almost any NFL running back. He ran a 4.640 at the NFL Combine and jumps just as high as most NBA players with a 35-inch vertical. Okay, that 4.640 is faster than Kareem Hunt, Le'Veon Bell, and James Conner, just to put it in perspective. I wouldn't want to see Cam Newton running at me. 
those aliens don't want to see him running at him either. Speaking of running, I picked quite possibly the greatest runner in world history, I guess you might say, Usain Bolt. He's six foot five, 200 pounds, and runs faster than probably anybody on any sport in the world, okay? He's a world record holder in the 100 meters, 200 meters, and the 4x100 relay, okay? In three consecutive Olympics, he won the gold medal in those competitions. Also, little fun fact, he actually played pro soccer in the Australian League last year after just kind of dabbling it and trying to find, find his way into the English Premier League. He actually found his way onto a team. That's crazy. He actual professional league. He went and played soccer after dominating Olympics. So Usain Bolt is my guy. He's on my team. Johnny, who's next on your list? Yeah, number three for me on my team is going to be Russell Westbrook, uh, the six foot three, two hundred pound point guard, super explosive. He's one of the most dynamic point guards the NBA has ever seen. Uh, his mix of size, speed, athleticism make him a threat no matter what type of game the aliens try and throw at us. Um, he's got the ability to start, stop, change pace. He's got a 36-inch vertical, and he's averaged a triple-double over the last three, three years, so we obviously know he can get up and get the boards. And he was actually voted number three on Men's Journal's Most Athletic NBA Players of This Millennium. Andrew, who do you got at number four on your team? I'm going to the MLB for this one. I got Angels outfielder Mike Trout. The MLB? Yeah, yeah. MLB, man. We're, we're, we're digging deep for this athleticism, all right? The six foot two center fielder stands at 235 pounds. He's already a two-time American League MVP and a seven-time All-Star. Mike Trout is arguably the greatest five-tool player in Major League Baseball history. And just to put in perspective... His athleticism goes more than just hitting baseballs. He is fast, even though he stands at 200, almost 240 pounds. He can reach a top speed of 20 miles per hour on the base path, which is just as fast as D. Gordon and Billy Hamilton, two of the best speedsters in the MLB today. So my guy is Mike Trout at number four. Johnny, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Russell Wilson. Uh, back to the NFL, six foot, 205, ran a 4.540, which is extremely fast for a quarterback. Um, obviously we know his ability to get out of the pocket and make throws on the run impromptu and still being able to make smart decisions. Those are the kind of things you're going to be looking for. Um, when something like that situation with aliens coming down here happens, we want somebody who's going to be able to keep their cool under pressure, understanding there's some big stakes we're playing for. I mean, this is the earth. We're talking Fate about of humanity. Here. So, um, he was drafted in the MLB draft. He was obviously also picked in football. He's, a uh, been a great athlete his entire career, playing three sports, football, basketball, baseball. So uh, for me, I'm going with Russell Wilson. Andrew, who are you putting with your last spot for uh, the fate of the humanity game against the aliens? Listen, if Space Jam taught me anything, it taught me that they're going to have giants. The Monstars, I got my own Monstar. Giannis Antetokounmpo. The guy is seven feet tall, 245 pounds. He's only 24, and he's got a seven foot three inch wingspan. And his hand size of 12 inches is three inches bigger than LeBron James. The seven-footer's jumping ability and speed make him just basically virtually unguardable in the NBA. He's on his way to winning his first MVP, probably the first of many in my opinion. So I'm going with Giannis Antetokounmpo, my monster, my guy. Johnny, who's last on your team to save the human race? Andrew, you got through five players, and with as big as a man crush as you have, mm-hmm. you did not pick him. Uh-huh. Yeah. Patty cakes? Listen, he's a little goofy. I'm gonna tell you what. He's a little goofy, but he's he's an athlete. I know. He's a, you know. Listen, Patrick Mahomes. He's a six three, two thirty pound man. I don't know what Andrew's talking about. No bias here. 
slings, <laughs> slings the football 85 yards. He can even get up to 62 miles an hour. We saw in a couple of YouTube videos, he's a beast on the basketball court. He hit some jumpers, nice little Euro spin in the lane. The Chiefs had to call, tell him to shut it down because, gosh, football season's coming, guys, and that's the last thing we need as Chiefs fans, trust me. He grew up playing baseball like his dad, who was a relief pitcher, um, and he was actually drafted in the 37th round in the 2014 MLB draft, so... Uh, Patty Cakes is going to help me get the dub first to Aliens that saved the world. And I got to be honest, Andrew, my list is way better than yours. No, it's not. No, 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 it's not. No, it's not. I got pure athletes over here. I got men. I got monsters. Well, here's what we're going to do. Uh, look out on our social pages, guys. We're going to go ahead. We're going to put both the teams up there on a post, uh, put a poll up. And we want you guys to go on each of the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and go ahead and vote. Again, the scenario is that aliens landed uh, on Earth and they're pointing a laser at the planet and they are challenging us to pick five of our athletes to compete in a athletic competition. Uh, we do not know what exactly that competition entails, but we have to pick five, p five athletes to go ahead and participate in these competitions to save the fate of the world. Uh, my team that featured OBJ... LeBron, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Westbrook, and Russell Wilson, or Andrew's team that featured Giannis, LeBron, Cam Newton, Usain Bolt, and Mike Trout. So again, look out for that, guys. Well, it's not the end of the world, guys, but it is the end of our show, so I guess <laughs> it's kind of like the end of the world. But again, thank you guys for tuning in so, so much. Episode 6, thank you for listening. Catch us on our social medias at Double Coverage K on Twitter, Double Coverage Sports Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. One more time before we go. I'm saying something, I'm saying something, I'm saying something.